We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oregon fans, what's going on? How we doing? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. In case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres. We are live on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Oregon Football Max Torres is where you can find us. As always, we are here to break down Oregon's 49-10 win over Colorado. Admittedly, this is a little bit later than I would have liked to do the podcast, but uh, I was actually able to uh, take a little camping trip this weekend. Uh, hard to find the right time to do those things during football season, but um, that's why this episode is coming to you when it is. So uh, apologies for the delay and glad to have you here on board, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on your podcasting platform of choice, like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, always appreciated on the, the videos here uh, to make sure that you guys stay up to date with all things Ducks here on the Ducks Dish podcast. So we're going to go ahead, we're going to talk some defense, talk some offense, talk about some big picture takeaways from Oregon's win over Colorado as we uh, also now start looking ahead a little bit to Oregon's big top 25 matchup against the Washington Huskies this week in Eugene. So with all that out of the way, let's go ahead and talk about Oregon's offense in this big win over Colorado. Uh, again, the, the story really starts and ends, I think, with uh, with Bo Nix, although there was more to it than just Bo Nix. But to get into his day uh, against the Buffs, he was 20 for 24 passing for 274 yards and two touchdowns. He had a long of 58, which was actually in one of the earlier plays in the game, the completion, the catch and run to Chris Hudson that he almost broke for a touchdown in this game, but he got horse collared uh, towards the end and wasn't able to get in the end zone on that one. But this is a, another really strong showing from Bo Nix, and he's really been Mr. Consistent uh, for this Oregon offense and Kenny Dillingham on the year. Um, just getting into some more notes on, on his performance, five total touchdowns for the third straight game and fifth time this season, uh, 13 rushing touchdowns on the year, ties him with Jeremiah Masoli from the 2009 season for the second most by an Oregon quarterback in a single season. And now he's just too shy of Marcus Mariota's record of 15 rushing touchdowns from 2014. So Bo Nix is, is doing a little bit of everything for Oregon once again. And what made this game a little bit interesting for, for Bo Nix and the Oregon offense was how windy it was. Uh, it might have been a little bit hard to tell on the broadcast, but I know some Oregon fans that are watching this or listening to this made the trip out to Boulder. And, and Dan Landing said after the game that this was the windiest game that he has ever coached in. Definitely a unique uh, element kind of having to battle the weather. And what made it tough was that it was changing intensities, changing directions. Obviously, always something that you have to uh, account for. 
uh, when you're playing the elements and maybe a little bit different also with the added elevation that comes with playing in Boulder. And then Bo also talked about after the game how that was a challenge for him, how uh, playing in the Pac-12, playing out West has kind of forced him to adapt and learn how to play in, in various types of weathers. It's not always just hot like you maybe see more consistently uh, in the SEC. Probably a lot more indoor venues in the SEC would be my guess uh, than uh, than the Pac-12, but uh, I'd have to fact check that one to, to be absolutely sure. But uh, Bo Nix did a little bit of everything. He threw for a touchdown, he ran for a touchdown, and he even caught a touchdown as Bucky Irving threw a touchdown pass. Uh, he's two for two on the year, I believe, um, and, and another really solid game for him. But it, another big story from this game was the offensive creativity that we saw from Oregon, right? You saw Bo do his thing, but the new wrinkle in there with the receiving touchdown on the trick play from, from Bucky Irving. Um, you also saw Josh Connerly get a big man touchdown on his birthday. So we love that storyline. That's always fun to, to follow. Um, they, they changed his number to 94, I believe, for uh, for this game. So interesting to see a couple of wrinkles thrown in there. Um, and uh, they did a really good job of selling that. And what was interesting for Oregon's offense in this one for me was how the trickery was used so early. And I think they really used that to their advantage to kind of punch Colorado in the mouth, keep them off, off balance, keep them guessing. Um, so that was really fun to see. And we even saw a Noah Sewell touchdown in this game for the Ducks. If you guys have been following Noah Sewell's journey for a while, obviously before he got to Oregon as a recruit playing at Orem High School, a major powerhouse out in the state of Utah, Noah, Noah Sewell start on both sides of the ball as a phenomenal linebacker, but also as a running back. That's part of the reason he had this billing of a jumbo athlete coming out of high school before he got to the college ranks. Uh, we've heard about his versatility for so long, and um, it was really fun to see him get involved out of the backfield. It's something that we're kind of surprised we haven't seen uh, before now, but given how, how Oregon has been so um willing i guess you could say to go under center in an i form uh this year uh that 14j formation uh it makes a lot more sense uh, i know that uh it's not a wrinkle that we usually see in the oregon offense but seeing noah sewell involved in the running game is always going to be a major plus uh and i think that uh there was this other one there was this other note from uh the game that was super super um unique shout out to the oregon athletic department for hooking us up with these notes Oregon became the first FBS team since at least 1996 to have a receiving touchdown by an offensive lineman, Josh Connerly, a receiving touchdown by a quarterback, Bo Nix, and a rushing touchdown by a defensive player, Sewell, in the same game. No other FBS team has achieved all three in a single season, let alone the same game. Uh, so that was that was interesting to see Oregon just kind of go into their bag of tricks in, in a bunch of different ways this, this weekend against the Buffs. Um, just digging into some more of the top performances on the day. Uh, Bucky Irving really shined on the ground in this one, carried the ball only 11 times for 120 yards, averaging 10.9 yards a carry against the Buffs on the ground. His 65-yard run was the longest of his career and was really a thing of beauty if you were watching this game. It looks like the, buff, the Buffs had him dead to rights uh, in the backfield. You know, had him totally wrapped up, but he was able to just shimmy and really showed some awesome uh, agility, short area burst, balance, able to ability to change direction, and just streaked up the uh, up the sideline in that one. So a phenomenal run from Bucky Irving as he just continues to put on a show for this Oregon offense this year. 
Uh, I think just every week we see these Oregon running backs step up to the plate. Noah Whittington also had a touchdown. Um, no touchdown through on the ground for Bucky Irving, but like we talked about, he had that passing touchdown to Bo Nix. But I think every week we see Bucky Irving, we see Noah Whittington step up as the premier running back duo in the Pac-12. And I think that's really evident at this point. Um, you know, a couple other strong backfields you can look at for sure. You have USC who has a prolific offense. You have um, UCLA who has Zach Charbonnet, but he's really the main story on the ground as well as DTR. Not really so much a one-two punch like we see with Bucky Irving and uh, and Noah Winnington, but they're just phenomenal and they continue to make the impact of the game in a variety of ways. We saw a little bit of Sean Dollars in this one. He had six carries, but only had about 15 yards. And uh, Kilowana Hassan Ritter got in a little bit there at the end with some of the backups, as did Ty Thompson on offense. Um, so those are some of the strong performances that we saw. Really good games from Terrence Ferguson and Maliki Matavao. Maliki got in the end zone again. And Terrence Ferguson had a nice little catch and run to get more involved. We saw some Patrick Herbert. Cam McCormick was also involved. Uh, he only registered – he didn't register any catches this game. But I love how we keep seeing the tight ends involved on a week-to-week basis. Super strong performance from that group of tight ends that's really just a special one for Oregon and I think they're only going to continue to get stronger you have Kenyon Sadiq coming in with the 2023 class as an athlete he's going to be playing tight end Ducks are also going after Jamari Johnson the Louisville commit out of Inglewood uh if you guys um if you guys haven't read my update on Jamari Johnson, definitely go over to juxdigest.com and read that. That's going to be an interesting recruitment. He tells me he's planning to take an official visit to Oregon uh, before making a final decision on his uh, recruitment. Uh, so that'll be a fun one to follow as always. What else do we have on the Oregon offense here before we before we wrap up that side of the ball? 40-plus uh, points in eight straight games. The last time Oregon scored 40-plus in eight straight games was 2014. And they had, at that point, 27 straight wins when scoring 40-plus. Uh, I think they're saying that was in – or maybe that's now 27 straight wins when scoring 40-plus. But they're the only FBS team to score 40-plus points eight times this season. Um, and I think that this game was really what we expected to see um, for for Oregon. They came in and they took care of business against the Buffs. For the record – my score prediction for this game was 63 to 13. So I wasn't spot on, um, but I feel like there might've been a little bit more room for Oregon to score there. I know they had a, a fourth down uh, inside the red zone of Colorado that got stopped. Uh, so maybe if, if Oregon was able to, you know, play a little bit more crisply on some of those possessions, they would have been able to do it. Uh, but just kind of wanted to, to bring that up to mention that. Uh, Oregon's offense on fourth down, they were one for two in this game, 14 for 18 on the season, which is the best in the Pac-12. This is a total 180 from what we saw last year under Mario Cristobal and Joe Moorhead. They just weren't really known as that aggressive team that would go for it on fourth down. But this year's team is in the position where they can get out to early leads and then really just put their pedal to the metal. And then that way you put yourself in the position where you're leaving no doubt. Come second half, you are leaving no doubt. Oregon's getting these commanding wins. And this was a win that they really needed, especially with how their schedule shakes out the rest of the year. You got Washington this week, Utah the next week, Oregon State that final week of the regular season. And if you take care of all that, take care of your business, and you win all those games, they very well, very well may be on a collision course with USC to meet them in the Pac-12 title game. So 
I think that's most of the story with Oregon's offense. Uh, we didn't see any Chase Coda in this game, so there wasn't any need for him to uh, for him to play. Uh, he got banged up in that Cal game, and we're still waiting on official word from from Lanning about what his uh, his status is heading into this important week against Washington. Uh, we'll probably ask him tonight when we have our press conference with him. That's scheduled for around 6.45, so make sure you guys stay tuned in. Stay locked in with me on Twitter on uh, Sports. That's always where you can find the fastest updates on my end before I can write a story, get a video recorded, what have you. Um, so we're going to have to see what happens there. But I liked what I saw from Troy Franklin. He had a he only really had one big catch that uh, caught a lot of people's attention, one catch for uh, 41 yards. 25 of those yards came after the catch, and he had some really shifty moves on that run, had some good stiff arms as well. So I think Troy Franklin's physicality continues to be something that impresses me about his game. Certainly not hasn't been a, a, a facet of his game that he's been really known for. Uh, Dante Thornton had an explosive catch and run in this game. Two catches for uh, 17 yards, 20, 20, 22 of those yards came after the catch. So it wasn't a super impressive day in terms of like amazing performances from any one player other than Bo Nix, I guess. But we had Bucky Irving go for over 100 yards this year. I think that was the first time he did that, first time he went over 100 yards on the ground uh, this season. But uh, it's been an impressive game, uh, impressive thing to watch, impressive season for Oregon's offense, they continue to just go pedal to the metal and they're firing on all cylinders, which sounds like a cliche with the fire on all cylinders, but they're really doing it. 284 passing yards. And then um, you had 195 yards on the ground, averaging five yards a carry. And that's exactly where you want to be. Maybe expected it to be a little bit more impressive from a statistical standpoint against a Colorado defense that hasn't been very impressive this year, but uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here on For those of you listening to us, on the audio platforms, but don't go anywhere. We got more Oregon football talk breaking down the win over Colorado after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Ducks Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. We're continuing our breakdown of Oregon's 49-10 win over the Colorado Buffaloes on the road in Boulder. Appreciate you guys that are tuned in here live on YouTube. Reminder to like the video 
and subscribe to the channel. That is a tremendous help for what I'm doing covering the Oregon Ducks. Appreciate you guys being here as always. So let's get into the defense a little bit in this game for Oregon. Uh, they put they allowed a season low 10 points to the Colorado Buffaloes, something that I think a lot of us expected. Colorado's offense have been struggling all year. JT Shrout wasn't really anything special. When I'm looking at this defensive performance for Oregon, I think there's two things that really stand out to me. The first one has to be Christian Gonzalez's performance in this game against his former team. Christian Gonzalez has been really one of the main contributors, one of the main faces of this Oregon defense on the year. And what does he do with his first game back against the Buffs? He comes away with two interceptions. Should one of those have been a pick six? Probably, but we can't do anything about the calls. Um, I thought that he was trying to get in to uh, the end zone on that one, but just like to see him make those plays, see how he glides as a runner. It looks so effortless for him, but you can tell he's a playmaker and uh, you want to see him get involved with the ball in his hand. Um, one of the coolest moments from the game was after that second interception uh, of JT Shrout, you see him uh, kind of run out of bounds and he JT Shrout's over there, you know, kind of in the area, in the vicinity to, to make a tackle if need be. And then Christian Gonzalez puts up the two right in front of JT Shrout's face. And I, it looked like he went from the interaction. It looked like Shrout was trying to tap him on the head, like, all right, good job, man, because they were former teammates. But after Gonzo did that, he kind of tried to just shove his face out of the way. So Christian Gonzalez is a, a soft-spoken guy, but um, it's really fun for, for me just being you know, a football fan. It's fun to see that energy and kind of that back-and-forth interaction because Christian Gonzalez has really been the story for Oregon secondary this year, the, the most consistent performer that they have. Granted, there was a little bit of a miscommunication on uh, Colorado's lone touchdown of the day, a deep pass to Jordan Tyson over the top of the defense. It looked like there was a miscommunication between miscommunication between um, Steve Stevens and Christian Gonzalez. So that was probably the, the biggest blemish for Oregon from a defensive standpoint. Here's another interesting stat for, for Oregon uh, as we kind of shift away from, from Christian Gonzalez. I mean, uh, just a, we can't find enough good things to say about him. Um, definitely a bummer that this might be his only season as a duck. Uh, seeing that he just continues to elevate that draft stock, draft stock on a week-to-week -week basis. He is the real deal at cornerback. He had that blocked field goal also making a special teams impact uh, against Cal last week on the road in Berkeley. But talking about this Oregon defense, that second story that I wanted to get into was that it looked like um, I was looking at the stats and looking at the highlights. Oregon was without DJ Johnson in this game. Um, which isn't a huge surprise seeing that he got banged up and had to exit the game twice against Cal last week. Uh, but Oregon has some guys that they were able to move around a little bit and get them some good playing time. Braden Swinson saw some good snaps in this one. They can obviously lean on Mace Funa as a veteran who holds down that other side of the line. Um, but no, no DJ Johnson in this one, which made it uh, interesting that they weren't able to get more of a push uh, along that uh, offensive line. Um, they didn't have any sacks in this game, which I thought was pretty interesting given how much Colorado's offensive line has struggled this year. I don't think that there's any guys that really blow you away from a talent standpoint along the offensive line for, for the buffs. Um, so you want to see a little bit more from uh, the front seven for Oregon. Um, but you know, yeah, Mikey G saying here that Swinson got in there for some contain. I thought, I thought that, you know, he had his, his good moments, but just as a group, I thought it wasn't as impressive from a pressure standpoint as we were maybe expecting to see. 
But uh, I'm not going to complain about a 39-point win. I mean, at that point, if you're complaining too much, you're kind of just splitting hairs. So good to see more of Braden Swinson. I'm surprised we haven't seen more of him this year. Uh, but maybe that's just because DJ Johnson's been that good. Mace Funa has been pretty solid. Um, and then along the interior of the defensive line, um, you saw Keon Ware Hudson get involved, Jordan Riley, Casey Rogers, kind of the same deal with them. They've been really stout in uh, in the interior. They The Oregon defense allowed under 150 rushing yards for the eighth time in nine games this season. So Oregon's run defense has continually been a strength all year. Uh, and that continues to be the case. I think the two biggest strengths that you really have right now are Christian Gonzalez and also um, Christian Gonzalez and this run defense, which is going to really come in handy, especially with the couple teams that you have coming up this uh, on the schedule here. I don't think I think that UW is probably more of a pass first team versus uh, Utah. Utah is definitely a team that wants to establish themselves in the trenches. Uh, I think that you can expect a lot of running from Utah uh, early on in that game. Uh, they're a little bit banged up. I believe actually Whittingham had somebody uh, announce that somebody was out for the season uh, this year. I retweeted it on my Twitter timeline, so let me double check. Um, Kyle Whittingham announced that Van Fillinger has suffered a season-ending injury, a lower leg injury. So that is a defensive lineman, outside linebacker, I believe, for the Utes. He's one of their better players. Um, so that's a, an interesting an interesting update there, no doubt. Um, let's see what else we can talk about with this defense. Um, all right, it looked like I didn't actually see that Jamal Hill had gotten um, hit with targeting. Um, okay, yeah, uh, it looks like it looks like the Ducks are going to be without Jamal Hill for uh, for the first half uh, against Washington, which I think is a significant loss. Um, given the the safety depth that they have, it, it doesn't really seem like anyone's like really emerged as the you know undeniable guy at safety for Oregon. I will say Bennett Williams has been really really strong this year. I think he's probably in the conversation for one of if not the best open field tackler on this team. And I don't want to take that away from him, but I think from last year to this year, the playmaking that we saw from Bennett Williams uh, hasn't necessarily been there. And I'm not trying to critique the guy super hard. I think that's probably a direct product of the pass rush, not being as consistent as this team would want it to be, but he's been one of those solid guys for or the Oregon secondary. He's the most experienced safety in that room, but Jamal Hill is, is right there behind him. Uh, seeing that he kind of broke out late in the 2019 season, you have a little bit of Steve Stevens. Uh, you know, he's getting a lot of uh, playing time as well. Other guys in that safety room, you have JJ Greenfield. Maybe we see JJ Greenfield get a little bit more playing time against Washington in this next week. Um, and you know, he he's been someone that's been really solid. I think you're probably a little bit more comfortable easing him in there a little bit more. Um, and uh, he played a lot of special teams for the Ducks these past couple of years, but given his steady improvement on a, you know, a week to week basis and just how much football he's played. I think that you're a little more comfortable putting Greenfield out there for some more significant snaps. Um, but that'll be interesting to see on, uh, on Jamal Hill and see how that impacts uh, Oregon secondary. I'm sure that we'll, we'll get to ask Dan about uh, Jamal Hill's uh, targeting. They'll probably appeal that, but, and that's happened twice. I think, cause we had Jeffrey Bossa that was out for the first half of the game against Colorado Keith Brown filled in for him, and I thought Keith Brown did well. He came up with a fourth down stop, fourth down tackle uh, against Colorado, so good to get him some some reps and some confidence. 
Uh, you saw some more Jackson LaDuke as well. Darren Barkins came away with a fumble recovery late in the game. Uh, so nice to see Oregon force three turnovers against the Buffs, and they didn't have any turnovers of their own. But Oregon had DJ Johnson and Jeffrey Bossa. I think those are the two targeting uh, suspensions that they've had to deal with this year. They tried to appeal those both, and they were both unfortunately denied. So uh, that's definitely a tough break for Oregon. But overall, a pretty solid day from, from the defense. Uh, I think that you expected a dominant showing, and, and the numbers largely supported that. Um, aside from that big explosive play, I don't think there was anything super, super concerning uh, from the Oregon defense. I think that the pass rush kind of is what it is at this point. Um, it's just a matter of getting that consistency. That's what you really want. You want to have multiple guys that can you know, emerge for you. And then large part this season, it's been DJ Johnson and Brandon Dorless. So maybe in the back end of this season, we get, we get one of these guys, another guy that can really emerge uh, off the edge. I think that uh, Casey Rogers on the interior has been doing a great job of collapsing the pocket and, and he, he doesn't get enough praise for how well he's doing. Um, and then Keon Ware Hudson, I think he, he's kind of working back. He got a little bit banged up earlier on in the year. Um, and then we'll also see, I don't think I saw Taki Taimani out there. So, um, makes sense that you didn't necessarily need to get him into this game, seeing that, uh, it was a game you were expected to win by quite a lot. And, and that's what they did. So I think that's another good thing for, for the Oregon defense and, and Oregon's whole team as a whole is you didn't, you didn't trot guys out there that didn't need to be out there. Um, you still won by 39 points. You got those style points that I think a lot of fans had been wanting to see. And, um, you go into, this week, hopefully feeling a little bit healthier and then able to get, you know, guys like Coda and, and Taimani back for this big game against Washington. Um, so overall, solid day from Oregon's defense. You love to see the turnovers. You want to see some more pressure. That's kind of been the consistent. They also could have had another interception that I think uh, I think it was uh, Brian Addison almost came away with. So that was a bummer to see him drop that interception. But overall, a pretty solid day for them. Uh, you can't critique that big of a win too hard. Um, but again, you want to see some more pressure there. Looks like we got uh, a couple questions here. Um, let's see. Cascadia Surfrider asks, Max, you feel if Bo can continue at this pace and get the Ducks into the CFP, he should get he should get it. The Heisman, his numbers were better than Stroud in some kind of weather in the same kind of weather conditions this past weekend too. Yeah, I think that um, every he's certainly not doing anything to hurt his Heisman resume his Heisman Trophy chances. I think that unfortunately with the way that the Heisman Trophy works, you need to, you almost need to be in the CFP conversation in order to have that relevancy. But uh, the way that he's been able to improvise, he's not relying on his legs too much. I love like that opening pass to Chris Hudson when he was able to run out of the pocket a little bit and then just hit him with a dot on the run. I thought was beautiful, but uh, he really looks like he's turned a new leaf and he's taking care of the ball. So if he keeps producing that this clip, I think that he should maybe get an invite uh, to New York. Um, his performances have been just so remarkable that it's impossible to ignore uh, at this point. Um, so I think that if he keeps doing what he's doing, if Oregon wins the Pac-12 and uh, is able to be further into the conversation with the CFP rankings, we'll have the new rankings on Tuesday, I believe. Um, I kind of expect Oregon to be maybe in that six or seven range. We'll see how the losses from Clemson and Alabama shake up the rankings. I think that bodes well for Oregon because they keep winning the games that they're supposed to win. So 
Uh, I'm not going to go ahead and predict that Knicks is going to win the Heisman Trophy award, but I think um, given some of the shakeup, Oregon's taking care of their business. I think uh, I wouldn't be super shocked at this point to see him get an invite. Uh, but like I said, Oregon has to be squarely involved, I think, with the playoff rankings in order for him to ultimately get that invite. And these next three weeks are going to be huge for his Heisman resume because they're playing, I think, as of right now, their next three opponents should all be ranked um, with uh, Washington and Oregon State and uh, Utah. Um, actually, because I think, I think Oregon State actually fell out of the poll um after this most recent batch so yeah washington's in there at 24 utah is in there at 13 oregon's at six and then oregon state received three votes so it'll be interesting to see how uh bo Nix's heisman chances continue to evolve here through this season all right kind of one last section i wanted to get into big picture takeaways from oregon actually no sorry looking ahead to oregon's rivalry matchup against washington um, you know, Lanning was asked about uh, the rivalry a little bit uh, against UW, and he said that you know it's not going to—it's not a game that's any different. But there is an expectation given that it is a rivalry game. So there, him and Lan- and Bo also said that you know there's been aspects of the preparation that have been working for us this week, this year. So why would we change that heading to this one game just because it's a rivalry? But Knicks, Lanning. Uh, Dillingham, a whole bunch of this Oregon roster is about to get their first taste of the rivalry against Washington, but Oregon opens up as a 12 and a half point favorite against the Huskies. Uh, they've won the last three matchups against Washington. I was in Seattle for last year's win. Um, that was a cold, rainy, windy night, uh, but Oregon plays uh, Washington at home in Eugene. Four o'clock kickoff. I believe that's on Fox. Um, super stoked to be back in Eugene for that game. Had to get back out for one more game this year, which is awesome. Uh, so Husky Hate Week is officially here. But Landing also said, you know, he was acknowledging the rivalry. He said he has a tremendous amount of respect for UW, but you don't want to play to the circumstance. You just want to stick to your process and show up for the big games and, and take care of business. Um, I think another big thing that was really good for Oregon coming off of this Colorado game, and Landing said it himself, was that this is one of the more complete games that they've played on the season. They got to finish the game off closer to the way that they wanted to, and they expected to be dominant. And for the most part, they were in this game. Um, So it may not have been a a super pretty win. I think they could have ran it up even more, but uh, I think playing that, getting to that completeness is something that's kind of been eluding Oregon for a lot of this season, even though they've been able to get commanding wins. There's been some moments where there's been some hiccups. There's, there's been some, some drop-offs, uh, we talked about the garbage time points uh, that, that Oregon's defense sometimes tends to surrender, but that didn't happen against Colorado. So that was good. That was an improvement over the Cal game. But Washington has a, a really strong offense with, with Michael Penix running the show at quarterback. Um, I think that their their run game has usually been a, a strong suit for them. So I think that they present a pretty balanced offensive attack for this Oregon defense. You got Romo Dunze uh, at wide receiver. I think he's one of their better players that I'm excited to see. Um and uh, Oregon's going against a lefty. I think that's a, an interesting little storyline. The first time they've gone against a lefty this year. And, and Michael Penix has played a ton of football. So um, even though he seems like he's kind of cooled off a little bit after a super strong start to this season, I still think he presents a very solid challenge for them for this defense at quarterback. And then Washington's defense, even though they have a offensive-minded head coach, I think Washington's defense has is going to continue to be something that they pride themselves on. They always have a solid defense. Um, I think they have some good talent up in the interior that Oregon's going to have their hands full with a little bit. 
kind of a final note from the Colorado game, because Oregon was able to get up so much, it looks like we didn't see much of Alex Forsyth playing center uh, in that game against uh, Colorado in the second half. We saw some more of Ryan Walk. We saw some Jackson Powers Johnson. So um, maybe that was a conscious move by the coaching staff to kind of rest up Forsyth uh, and some of those starters along the offensive line for a really important game here against Washington. So just another benefit of taking care of business and winning those games you're supposed to win and doing it in dominant fashion. That is of the utmost importance. So should be an interesting week. We're going to be talking with Dan Lanning this evening for his weekly press conference. I know some people are commenting here about the uh, Auburn connection with, with Lanning. Not going to get to that in this episode, but maybe on a future episode, we can dive into that a little bit more. But um, that'll do it for this episode. Just wanted to get a quick recap and analysis of Oregon's latest win over Colorado as we turn the page to the Washington Huskies, Oregon's rival, biggest rival, or you could say it's Oregon State. Let me know what you think about which who Oregon's biggest rival is in uh, the Pac-12 or just in college football in general. But that'll do it for this episode, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you like the video and hit the subscribe button and follow me on Twitter at mtourissports. And don't miss out on the latest written content covering the Oregon Ducks over on ducksdigest.com. Um, we got a lot of recruiting coverage over there as well. I talked to a bunch of modern day guys recently who were out at Oregon. The hoop season starts today as well. You got the women tipping off against Northwestern at 3 p.m. Pacific and then the men against Florida A&M at 7 Pacific, I believe. So it is a busy day for Duck Sports. And uh, we're glad we got to hop on the podcast and talk about the latest win for Dan Lennon and the Ducks on the football field. But that'll do it. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League Podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.